I've been in this church since I was 10 years old. I've had the privilege of participating and following the leadership of many pastors, all the way back to Jay Wright, who baptized me in the spring of 1948. We have had pastors who were here three years, five years, six years. Looking back, there was W.H. Townsend during the 30s and 40s, who pastored for 16 years. Then there was Irvin Reed. He was pastor in the 50s, 60s, for about 13 years. He officiated Neil's and my wedding in 1955. In the 125 years, 1898 to 2023, there have been 28 known pastors who have served First Baptist Church. There's no record of those who pastored the church in the first four years. There are so many great memories connected to all our pastors as they came and served their time here. Each one served First Baptist Church in his own unique uh, way of leadership. One thing I remember about Court Flint in 1948-51, he had a great gift for remembering names. And after being in Ollie for only a few weeks, he seemed to know everyone in town by their name and never forgot it. And then there was Henry Odell, uh, 71 to 73. The family had just been in Ollie for a very short time. We invited them to our home. It was Christmas Eve afternoon. Ten-year-old Jim Odell fell out of our kid's treehouse and broke his arm. Spent Christmas Eve at the hospital. In August 2013, Chad Edgington, with his beautiful family, came to be our pastor. We have been blessed by his ministry and his family, and for the past ten, all, all for the past ten years. This was Chad's first position as senior pastor. I think I remember, someone else remembered this too. After his first official sermon, he said all of a sudden he realized that he had to write another sermon for next week. (laughs) As he sat in the front pew that first Sunday, he watched and listened to our praise team. And before long, he was right in the middle of it with his guitar and has been leading and planning our music in a beautiful and worshipful manner ever since. He's so inclusive, using all the talent available, regardless of age. Chad has had a great impact on this church body. He preaches directly from Bible scripture. The church is stronger in its outreach and various ministries because of his leadership. Some of you are new to our congregation, but I think we would all enjoy seeing a few images of the many faces and talents of Dr. Chad A. Edgington. All right. Um, We love you, Chad. Melissa, Adelaide, Sawyer. Emerald, you've been here 10 years, but just remember, your work is not finished here. Good morning. For those who do not know me, my name is Trampus Patton, and uh, this is going to be an honor to share my testimony. I haven't done it in front of the church before, 
but I'll be sure to keep it brief. I, like many children nowadays, did not grow up in a Christian home. I probably attended Sunday church less than 10 times throughout my childhood. Though it was not ideal, by many standards, I did not have a bad life. However, there was little guidance and less discipline. As a young boy, I was rebellious, hyperactive, and that evolved into a rambunctious teenager. By the time I was in the eighth grade, I began skipping class, sneaking out, and getting in frequent fights, which at this age I did not see a problem with. During high school, I was living what could be considered a double life. For the most part, I was respectful to authority at school, but I would cause trouble at night and on the weekends. It wasn't until my sophomore year that God really started working through a few men and women that I still love dearly to this day. Whether they were teaching me God's word every Wednesday with gentleness and compassion, or barging through my front door to drag me to school, or even dedicating half of a day for an entire semester to teach me makeup classes because I had missed so much school. They gave me jobs and taught me about work ethic, educated me on financial discipline that I still carry with me today. I was never shamed when I stumbled, and this drove me further. At the time, everything that I did was because I did not want to let them down. But now that I'm older, I can look back and see that God placed each and every one of them in my life exactly when I needed it the most. At 19, God started working on my heart about attending church. Every week, I would visit a different church in the community, unsure of what I was looking for. I found it difficult to understand or even focus on the sermons and eventually got discouraged and stopped coming. Two weeks later, I was watching TV in my underwear and get a knock on the door. It was Brother Chad and Sawyer who completely disregarded my my attire and invited me to a tent revival with the promise of free food, which at this time was an easy sell for me. After the revival, Chad found me, and we discussed how I felt about the preacher, and he invited me to First Baptist. From the moment that I arrived, I felt God working in our church. The talented worship group, the love that I received from many of our congregation, and a pastor that simplified the word so even the most infant Christians such as myself could understand. I knew in my heart that this was now a part of my life, and I started attending First Baptist regularly. Early on, many of the people around me did not understand why I was attending church or not participating in the same activities as I had before. I was accused of being fake and told that if the people of First Baptist knew the real me, that I would be judged and unwelcome. This was never the case. The love of Christ is all that I've ever seen from our church. I continued to, co- excuse me. I continued to come and eventually started to attend Sunday school. About a year later, I expressed my desire for baptism, and on Christmas morning in 2016, I was baptized by my friend and mentor, Coach Rodriguez. As time went on, I began helping with Team Kid and later became a counselor at Camp Chaparral. At no point did I or anyone around me, or could I or anyone around me, imagine that I would be a Christian camp counselor, but God works in mysterious ways. Through Christ, Chad and I have built a friendship throughout the years that has seen us having conversations until 10 or 11 at night because I had heard about predestination and was certain that there was no hope for me and I would be going to hell. (laughs) To staying awake until midnight in the camp bathroom to write my wedding vows. God has blessed me with the life that I dreamed of as a child, complete with a beautiful wife and son whom I love with all my heart, in-laws who love me wholly and educate me frequently with scripture, And lastly, an extended family with you all. 
Glory to God for putting the men and women in my life who loved me and educated me, never giving up on me when I showed little hope, for shepherding me to Christ with their actions, whether we knew it at the time or not, and for Sawyer for convincing Brother Chad to knock on one more door that hot afternoon at the Grove Street Apartments. Excuse me, I'm just going to speak for just a second about the committee, search committee that we had back then, 10 years ago, and then Jan's going to speak, of course. But uh, that committee consisted, uh, and a lot of this committee was the same committee, the prior preacher, Kelly Russell, who was here for approximately seven years, and then we were without for nine or 10 months. And the, the process that we went through, well, let me just back up. Uh, Bill Little was on that team, uh, myself, Jan Tyler, Tracy Wells, Don Berry, Jake Bailey, and Gunter Rodriguez. So it was a very qualified team. Yes, we were pretty proud of ourselves. And I remember, we still are. We still are. He's here 10 years. In 10 more years, we'll, t- we'll have another celebration. Won't we, Jan? Yes. yes. With the same people. With the same people, yes. Yes, with the same people. When we went started that process... I'm pretty sure that we had close to 27 to 32 applicants, and we decided that we were going to divide them in three categories. Yes, let's pursue this individuals. No, let's just kind of put them here in the holding pen. And then there were some that was like, we don't really think that this is a fit for our church. Now, well, this was a serious process. We were serious about it. Well... This individual we're talking about, he got kind of dumped in the middle. So we pursued some others, and eventually, and I was talking to Gunner a couple of nights ago, literally at 1.30 in the morning, standing on the edge of a fire truck, and we were talking about it. Gunner is not able to be here today. I said, tell me what you remember, Gunner, because he's got a better memory than mine. He said, well, that's kind of what I remember. And then somewhere along the way, we went, what about that Edgington guy? You know, he's... 30-ish, lawyer, musician, been to Nashville, you know, all of that business. It was like, well, let's just pursue him a little bit. So we did, and here we are. And I remember when we went to visit and hear him preach, and then we went to uh, Abuelo's in Fort Worth, had lunch. Miss Melissa sat to my right. We had a very good visit. Uh, Gunter remembered that uh, he held emerald. At that time, yes, he held Emerald the whole meal practically. Yes, he did. She was approximately 16, 14, 16 months old. Adelaide, she was about eight. Sawyer, you were about five. Chad was 10 years younger. And Melissa, you were right where you were at. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you like that. You like that. So anyway, I really want to commend this church, the team, the committee, and uh, I just, that's all I really want to say. I just want to say thank you. Thank you all. Here you go, Mr. Jan. Well, here we are 10 years later. Uh, and we still have Elvis. And we still have the lovely wife who likes to dress up on Wednesday night. Uh, and we, uh, we still have the well-behaved children. Uh, I, I remember T- Tracy and I were the most impressed. We, we didn't know about y'all, but we knew that your children were well-behaved. They all sat in a row in the 
the parlor as we visited with uh, Chad and Melissa, and they didn't make a peep. So uh, we were very impressed with that. Uh, a great team, a great team we saw when they came to visit. Uh, it's obvious today that Adelaide Sawyer and Emerald, uh, that you love the Lord and you have grown up well, and you're still well-behaved. And Melissa and Chad are still well-behaved. Uh, we appreciate Melissa's leadership on the, uh, in our children's ministry. She is actually our children's ministry, uh, ex post facto or however you want to say it, uh, and, uh, on Wednesday night. And if you have not seen what happens on Wednesday night down here, I would just really invite you to come see what happens. It will blow your dress up. It is amazing. Uh, it's kind of loud, but it's, it's good. Uh, so we can see uh, this labor of love that our, our team, our pastor and his wife and children have are for us. Uh, we love your blog. We love that you write for Lifeway Ministries, uh, Vacation Bible School material and Sunday School material and articles for our paper. And, um, and then we want to express our appreciation to our pastor, uh, who is still Elvis, but who is right now Dr. Chad Edgington. Well done. Uh, it's a joy to be led in worship by you uh, and music. Uh, you faithfully teach us the word of God. Uh, you love us, which is the most amazing thing to me, is that you still love us. And uh, you point us to the greater love, the love of Christ. And you and Melissa share your heart so freely with all of us, and we love you for that. Uh, I'd like to present you with a small token of our esteem. So if you and uh, Melissa will, will come forward with a little plaque, and I'll, I'll read for you what's on the plaque. It says, Dr. Chad A. and Melissa Edgington, with our greatest appreciation and in recognition of 10 years of dedicated and faithful ministry, with compassion while shepherding God's flock flock at First Baptist Church Olney. Thank you for believing in the church mission and offering invaluable leadership, teaching, and worship. And then... Uh, we have a verse on the, on the plaque that Chad said is his favorite verse about ministry, and uh, it's Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well done. If anything good has happened, it's been the Lord. And if anything bad has happened, it's probably my fault. So, uh, but thank you all so much. That's just so kind of you. And um, I've got some reflections I want to share our text for this morning will be Ephesians chapter 4.11, which is on the plaque. So you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And really, this is going to be a different kind of sermon. It's, I've entitled it Reflections on 10 Years as Pastor of First Baptist Church. And a pastorate of 10 years is really something for a, a, a church and a pastor to celebrate together. I saw one statistic that said half of all pastors leave after their fourth, or before their fourth anniversary. As Barbara mentioned in the history of Olney First Baptist Church, 125 years, only two other pastors have served longer 
than 10 years. The, uh, Brother Townsend and Brother Reed. And so standing up here, I, when I wrote this, it feels very self-indulgent, but I thought I'd say something about the past 10 years, which really is not a reflection of me or anything I've done, but I think a reflection of what the Lord's done and our love for one another. The search committee was great. Chuck has told you who all was on that committee. What a great uh, bunch of ambassadors, not only for our church, but for Alney. I preached to them on June 23, 2013 at North Euless Baptist Church. Ted Elmore was someone I had known since I was a very young child. He allowed me to f- uh, fill the pulpit there that morning. And then we met everybody at Abuelo's. And after I met everybody at Abuelo's, I was just ready to pack up and move to Alney. But uh, the way that it kind of, we, we sat at a long table, and I was really impressed that they took us to Abuelo's, because I was like, that's really expensive. So this church, man, they really, they really take care of you. Uh, but it was loud in there, and so not everybody was able to hear, or you know, some were talking to Melissa, and some were talking to me, and so there was kind of, you know, I was ready to go. Uh, but, you know, search committees, they move slow. And they, they have to move slow. And, and some say, well, let, we want to meet with them one more time, or we're not quite sure. And that's just how it works in a committee, especially when you're dealing with somebody as weird as me. And, you know, I was a very unconventional candidate. And every time I've applied for a ministry job, I've been considered an unconventional candidate. I usually wind up at the bottom of the pile and then somehow work my way up. I'm, I'm like the guy you marry, right? Not your first choice. But uh, <laughs> the way you pick me, I'm steady, all right? <laughs> I had a law degree, strike one. Uh, <laughs> I had not finished my seminary degree, strike two. But at that time, Southwestern Seminary didn't offer online classes. And so there was a concern that, that Jan had shared with me uh, years later. She said, you know, one of our main concerns is we weren't sure that the church would want to hire a pastor who didn't have a seminary degree, and especially a pastor who only had a law degree, and that made perfect sense uh, to me. But uh, eventually we just spent more time together. Uh, I thankfully wound up preaching at a youth camp for Grace Point Church in Denton that was down at Solid Rock Camp in Eastland, in the middle of a hot July in 2013. And we weren't that far from Olney. We were a lot closer in Eastland than we were in Texarkana. And so I called Don Barry and I said, Hey, Don, you know, is there, is there any possibility, if, y'all are still, if we're still kind of dealing with one another here, that we could come up and see the town and see the church plant and meet with the committee again? And we did. We arranged a meeting. I believe that Gunner and Jake were actually not at that meeting, but everybody else was there. We met in the parlor, and they took us to see the parsonage. And I remember the memory I have of that is our kids going in there and just running around that big, empty house and asking us if we were going to live there, which was kind of awkward because they were asking that in front of the committee too. We took a look at the town. We got back in our car, and we headed back for worship at the camp. And we were driving down Main Street, and Adelaide there driving down Main Street, she said, well, you know, this isn't the kind of place you live. She said, Daddy, this is a pit stop. (laughs) 
And we like to remind her that she said that because she lo- she's the biggest Olniite that I know right now. She loves Olni so much. She's really been distressed about having to leave and go to college and not be able to come to church and not be here for all the things that go on in Olni. I think now Adelaide would not say it's a pit stop, would you? No. She would say this is her hometown, and she loves it very much. The committee invited us to come and uh, to preach in view of a call August 6th. 2013. And Barbara, when I get done with this, I want to give you a manuscript because I kind of just wrote out the history of it all because uh, I'd never done that before. Uh, we drove out here on Saturday the 5th for a meet and greet that night before church. We changed clothes at the Chicken Express in Jacksboro. We went in looking frumpy. We came out looking like a million dollars out of the bathrooms. We didn't even buy any chicken. We just went in and changed clothes and left. They were like, probably like, what's happening here? But we were so terrified. You know, it takes you about 35, 40 minutes to get from Jacksboro to Olney, and we were sweating, and we were shaking, and wondering, what is this going to be like? And uh, uh, Melissa said, I feel like all of our family is on a job interview. What is this going to be like? And the first person we met was Dan Winningham on the parking lot. And we met Dan, and he made us feel so welcome. And then we walked in and saw familiar faces in Spencer and Debbie Key. We worked together when I was practicing law. And I walked in and he's like, what are you doing here? And I said, what are you doing here? And he's like, this is awesome. And he said, we always knew you were too nice to be a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) But the weekend was great. We stayed with Chuck and Barbara. And I remember sitting out on their back porch just nervous about what the next day would bring. And we sat out there, and there was a cool breeze back in those days. Uh, We we sat back out on the back porch and just watched those windmills flashing uh, in the distance. And I remember we had a great conversation, and we just loved Chuck and Barbara. We just still love them so much, and they've been here for us for these 10 years. Uh, We loved this church from the very first day, and we have always felt that you've loved us too. And there have been difficult times disagreements, hurts, misunderstandings, most of those mistakes on my part, and I've learned plenty of things the hard way, and I've still got a long way to go, but that's all to be expected, isn't it? We're only human. But hasn't God been good to us these past 10 years? I've seen so much spiritual growth in you, and I hope that you've seen me grow, and that you're still seeing me grow. And I hope that I'm not the same next week as I am today and next year as I am today. I hope that you've seen me grow as a preacher. I hope you've seen me grow as a leader. I hope you've seen me grow as a husband and a father. This is what we looked like just before we moved to town. Look at that young guy there. This is what we look like now. When we arrived, Sawyer and I had spiky hair, and it made quite the impression. Everybody was talking about our hair. That's a picture of it there. You can see we both had the same haircut, and we would, we would spike it up in the middle, you know, back in those days. Uh, I don't, I'm assuming that was in style. And now, Sawyer, stand up and turn around. I simply can't keep up with that haircut now. Uh, I have to keep it very short, or it just looks gray. And that's your fault. Uh, (laughs) But one of the amazing things about this church from the very beginning is from the very first time we came in view of a call was how much musical talent uh, the church has here. I don't remember the exact order of things that led me to leading the music here. 
but I never tell people that I lead it. I tell people we have a team that leads our worship. It's a team effort with extremely talented people. And I uh, had a hard time when we were in Texarkana, I was the worship leader. One of the hard things about coming here was that I was going to have to give up leading the worship. And I was prepared to do that and understand that that's kind of how it goes and that's sort of uh, to be expected. But I love to sing and I love to play and to be a part of a band as much as I love to preach. And one of the blessings of this job is that I didn't have to stop doing what I'd always loved, playing music, in order to do what I feel called to do, which is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the best of both worlds. And what a blessing it is to be able to lead in music and to have that part of my heart working, even whenever the other part of my heart to preach is also working on Sunday mornings. And uh, I try not to, you know, one of the things that we didn't want it, when I started doing that was that it doesn't need to be the Chad show. And so other people come up here and read scripture. And other people pray. Bill does the announcements. And I try to hide behind the piano so that it's not just a, a show of any sort. And when we mess up, I tell the praise team, don't worry about messing up. It's not a show. We are here to worship the Lord together. I did finally complete my seminary degree in 2016. There's a picture of the little kids uh, whenever we got the degree there. And then, could you turn me down just a hair, Dale? I'm ringing just a little bit. Uh, then, if you look, uh, uh, this past spring, I earned my doctorate. And so I was really happy, very pleased, that I finished school before Adelaide graduated. I, I beat her by about three weeks, so that was amazing. And we got that picture together with both of our funny hats on. But we arrived in Olney and immediately came to love the people and the place. One of the things the search committee said to me, they, they really emphasized as we spoke, is that they had a desire for the pastor to be involved in community activities. And it was only a few years later, so I just took that as they really want the pastor to be involved. And so it was just a few years later after I'd really worked at being involved in the community that Tammy Montgomery gave me the unofficial title of Mr. Olney. Thank you, Tammy, for that uh, title. I've, I've, I did serve on the Chamber of Commerce. I was the secretary, so I called myself the, the Secretary of Commerce here in Olney. And <laughs> the Minister of Optimism is another uh, term that I've been uh, given another moniker, but I've enjoyed coaching youth sports. I'm not a very good coach, but I'll do it. Uh, participating as the president of the Athletic Booster Club. You know what they say if you can't be an athlete. Uh, I've enjoyed serving on the uh, Chamber of Commerce, being involved in fundraisers for Keep Only Beautiful and for the Only Library. I've helped at the school with PTO, organizing programs, broadcasting different games and graduation and concerts and uh, coaching the teams for UIL competitions at the school. We've put together bands for March for Jesus, the Fireman's Banquet, the One-Armed Dove Hunt, and All Need America. We ramped up community engagement as a church during COVID. Each night during the height of quarantine, Melissa and I hosted a late night program called uh, Late Night or FBCO Late Night. And I hope that, and I know that did, provide comfort and hope during a time when we all felt a little bit disconnected. Speaking of COVID, uh, which I don't want to you know, trigger anybody or, or bring up that trauma, but one of my fondest memories during that time were the drive-in services. We all remember those and how much we loved the drive-in services on the parking lot. And the lockdown began with an order from the county judge. We were ordered not to have services. 
And our last normal service was held on March 15, 2020. And many churches were not meeting at that time, but we continued to meet. <laughs> well, we, one Sunday we had quite a few people here pushing 300. The next Sunday we had 150 people less. And I thought, something is going on here. That was very low for us. The pandemic was a setback. It was very disruptive to the momentum we had going. And we did not meet in person for five weeks. CJ, me, the praise team, we worked hard to make an online service, but very few people watched them. Or if they started to watch them, people didn't last very long because that's a really poor uh, substitute for worshiping together. And so I was concerned about the fact that we weren't together and, and what are we going to do about this? And this order had not been lifted and people were still concerned and afraid during the pandemic. And so Easter began to approach and I thought, oh no, we cannot not have Easter service. And so I got the idea in my mind that we would do a drive-in service on the parking lot. And I found what must have been one of the last FM transmitters on eBay. And it may or may not have been legal, but it, it produced a signal strong enough to cover the parking lot. And then later we found out that it was covering the entire city. David Sandlin brought us a flatbed trailer to put in the parking lot. Chris Widner loaned us some sound equipment. We ran cables and a video feed into the building where CJ and Dale mixed the sound. And the praise team played on a trailer to lead worship, and I preached. It was a huge undertaking. Every week, so much work. All the deacons had to come and help us run the wires and move all the equipment in and out. But amazingly, using only consumer-grade technology, it all worked. And people loved it. And I'd be up there preaching, and all I could hear was car engines and uh, air conditioner compressors kicking on and off. And whenever people really got moved in the Spirit, they'd just lay on the horn. <laughs> and I lo- when I would stand up there, I just loved the sound of the, the, the voice, the, the, the preaching, just going throughout the town and bouncing off all and echoing all off the houses. And I remember looking out and seeing people sitting on their front porches while we did that. And what a great... Memory. You know, they say that after about five years, uh, the pastor kind of gets into the sweet spot and, and really is able to, to enjoy the harvest. And one of the th- kind of the uh, interesting things is it would seem as though, and in some ways it's true, that COVID really dis- did disrupt some of what the momentum we had going, some of the harvest uh, that we were experiencing at that time uh, during the 2019 and the first part of 2020. But did you know, looking back and remembering, that uh, there were people that came to our drive-in services that hadn't been in church in years. Some of y'all are here today because of those drive-in services. During the spring and summer and fall of COVID, we had about 15 additions to the church, and we baptized several of those. And remember, we did that out at Mark and Galen's pool, that we went out there, and uh, it was just a a wonderful uh, experience. We we baptized a bunch of people outside so everybody could come and kind of stand around the pool And that was just a lovely memory. And there are so many other memories I could share of the past ten years. But I was ordered by she who must be obeyed, namely Melody Rogers, to keep this short. And she's given me a look, so I've already gone over time. But let me just read for you this text of Scripture. He gave the apostles, the prophets, Ephesians 4.11, evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, And as unbelievable as that sounds, it does say there in the Word of God that I, as your shepherd, am a gift to you. 
And you are the gift that God has given me. And the reason that pastors and teachers are given to the church, Paul says in verse 12, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith, knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are called here to mature each other so we may no longer be children. We're going to grow up. We're no longer going to be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, look at verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. We're here to make each other work properly. We're here to help each other grow into the head, in, into Christ, so that we're joined together. And when we're equipped that way, when we're all thinking in the unity of the faith, when we're maturing into manhood, this body will build itself up in love. And how does that happen? How has it happened here? It happens as we live a common life together. It happens in informal ways and informal ways. Formally, my most important job is to stand up here and do what our verse tells us to do. Timothy, preach the Word. That's the job of the pastor. That's the primary way we shepherd is we come in here and and the, the, the one thing the Holy Spirit is guaranteed to use to change your life, the Word of God, is preached to you. And in those ten years that we've had together, I've preached through Genesis, Numbers, Judges, Ruth, Esther, Ecclesiastes, Daniel, Joel, Mark, John, Acts, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, 1st and 2nd Peter, and 1st John, and currently we're in Colossians. We've gone through half of the New Testament together, so I've got ten more years and we'll complete that. The preaching work cannot be neglected, but neither can the listening work. There are no touchdown passes scored without a quarterback and a receiver. Somebody has to throw and someone has to catch. Somebody has to preach, but it's not a sermon unless there's people there to listen. So make sure you're here and that you're listening to that sermon and you've done so well these 10 years. For me, it's the highlight of the week. Not because it's my sermon, but because we're discussing God's Word and because you listen with such attentiveness and love for me. Informally, what I've learned about pastoring and what I tell younger pastors is that pastoring is about loving people. Many people want to pastor because they love the truth and they want to proclaim the truth, which is great because we love the truth. And we do want to love the truth. But what you have taught me, what this church has taught me, is that you can't just love the truth. That pastoring is about loving the people. A shepherd's call is not to love feeding A shepherd's call is not to love just setting the hay out or setting the food out or taking them to the grassy place. The shepherd's job is to love the sheep they feed. I love to preach because I love to see you grow. Because you're my family. I want to see you become more like Jesus Christ. When I think of my children and my wife, I want to protect them. I want them to grow up to mature and not fall prey to lies or human cunning or craftiness and the deceit of the devil. And I know we've all developed that same sentiment for each other here at FBCO. I've learned over 10 years that the best part of being a pastor is not the ministry. The best part of being the pastor here is the vantage point 
that it provides me. It's great to do ministry. But what's more encouraging than that is to see all the ministry being done by you. Well, we have our hands to the plow here. And there's so many people doing so much work, there's no way I could do it by myself. We're helping orphans in Uganda with basic needs like food and clothing. We're helping with church plants in Colorado and in the Metroplex, a church that now is expanding. The church in Denton area is expanding that they need to go to two services and they need another building. And we've been helping as that church has gotten off its feet. So think about that. We're helping to grow this church by the work we do here, but also where there's so many people that have never heard the gospel, we're helping there every single week. We help start a, we're helping to start a Spanish-speaking seminary to train pastors all over the Spanish-speaking world. We participate in myriad ministries through the cooperative program. We serve as a resource to the churches in our local area. Building, we build wheelchair ramps for people, hand out food, care for the grieving. We teach, we pray, we care. And what do I see from my vantage point of seeing all this ministry is I see a body being built up in love. I've learned in 10 years that I have a wonderful wife and I have three amazing children. Thank you all so much. <clears throat> Melissa is definitely an amazing pastor's wife and teacher. She works hard on her lessons for her class. She works hard on every speaking engagement she has. She works hard on every lesson that she writes. And, you know, I, tell, I, I preach to hundreds, but Melissa literally writes to thousands and ten thousands. And we think of the Vacation Bible School lessons that she wrote and that the Vacation Bible School curriculum is used in about 10,000 churches. Multiply that by however many kids are in the class and think of all the lives that Melissa touches that she never even sees. It's been amazing to watch her in these last 18 months just drop everything and take on an 11-week-old child. And I've just watched that in these later days. You know, we've, our kids are grown. And here she brought this child into our home and has raised this child and loved little Torvi. And of course, we all love little Torvi. And I can say of Melissa, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Thank you for making me a better man, a better father, and a better pastor. In these 10 years, what I've learned is that when there is a need, First Baptist Church of Olney is here to help. You have blessed us beyond measure in these last 10 years. I feel sorry for all the men that will never have the pleasure of pastoring this church because I've hogged it for 10 years. But we have the best church. We live in the greatest small town in Texas, and don't forget that. Have there been difficult times? Yes. Are there difficult times now? Yes. Will there be more difficult times? Yes. There have been blunders, mistakes, as I mentioned, but you've always been gracious to forgive me and give me another chance. And I've tried to serve as the pastor, as our scripture said this morning, with great patience. I'm a sinner. I still sin. I need grace from God and from you every day. Do I have a long way to go? Yes. Do we have a long way to go together? Yes. But Christ is working here. And Christ is inviting us to join Him in that work. This day is not about me. I'm just the ambassador for one who's truly great. I'm nothing. And I hope with Paul that I've determined to know nothing here among you but Christ and Christ crucified. Today if you're here and you're lost. Today if you're here and you need hope and forgiveness. Today, if you're here and you're amazed at the way people can love one another, 
It's because Christ is working here. It's because Christ has worked here. And if you need hope and you need forgiveness, what I would love for you to do on this day when we're celebrating God's faithfulness to our church and especially to me, I would invite you to come to Jesus and come join us as we continue to follow Him here at First Baptist Church in Olney. My prayer for us this morning is Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 2. I pray that our hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom, we are, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge.